Yo, what's good, everybody? This is your boy Mel, aka Naldo Formula One, and you are now tuned in to episode seven of the Naldo Formula One podcast. This will be the 2022 Dutch Grand Prix race weekend review. Man, what a what an exciting race! Uh, I got a lot to unpack about this one. Is a lot that happened. It's going to be kind of hard to remember everything. So let's just go ahead and get right into it. So. Um, if really, really, really exciting qualifying, uh, excuse me, on on yesterday morning, at least it was the morning for me, there were basically three teams that all could have um, fought for pole position yesterday, which is, I think, the first time that we've seen anything like that all season. So it was really exciting to watch basically all three of these teams and six drivers put in these laps and potentially go for pole. But it ended up being Max Verstappen, once again, that came on top in pole position at his home Grand Prix. And then Charles Leclerc in P2 followed, Carlos Sainz in P3, Lewis Hamilton in P4, Sergio Perez in P5. He had a spin on his final flying lap in Q3, which brought out the yellow flags in Sector 3. And so a lot of the runners behind him uh Mostly the Mercedes, both Mercedes drivers had their last laps in Q3 basically ruined because they had to back off due to Perez spinning. So Perez finished P5 after qualifying, George Russell P6, Lando Norris P7, a good qualifying from him, especially compared to his teammate after um, it has been announced, if you hadn't heard already, that Oscar Piastri the Formula 2 champion from last season and the man with one of the greatest junior careers that we've seen in recent history will be joining McLaren for next season. So really exciting for Formula 1 and and Oscar to have new talent in after everything that's happened between him and Alpine and McLaren. It seemed like the contract board has validated that he signed a legitimate contract for 2023 so we have a new driver on the grid for 2023 but back to the qualifying rundown we had Mick Schumacher getting into Q3 and finishing P8 great qualifying for him Yuki Tsunoda finished P9 and qualifying solid for him Lance Stroll with one of his higher qualifyings of the season in P10 Pierre Gasly P11 very solid work from him Pierre Gasly P11 or did I just say that? I think I just said that. Wow. Okay, Esteban Ocon, P12. Fernando Alonso, P13. Tough, tough quality for them. I think Fernando ran into a little bit of traffic or at least like phantom traffic from him, uh, for him during his qualifying lap in Q2, which kind of ruined his lap. So that was that. Tough qualifying for the Alpines, but they made up for it in the race. And then we had... Joe Guan Yu in P14, Alex Albon in P15, Valtteri Bottas in P16. Tough quali- couple qualifiers for him for the past two races. He had had a streak of like over like 140 races or something to that effect without getting knocked out in Q1. And he's broken that streak two weeks in a row with this week and Spa last week, both getting knocked out. Daniel Ricciardo, tough qualifying for him. I'm sure his confidence is probably in the toilet, understandably, with everything that's gone on in the past couple of weeks. We'll get into a little bit more of that. 
later on uh, when I find some time. I just want to kind of get through the big storylines of the race first. And so we had Kevin Magnuson in P18, a long way off his teammate, Seb in P19. I don't remember exactly what happened with Seb. He didn't get to make a second run on his uh, in his Q1 session, so I'm not – I'm not really sure. I don't really remember why, but yeah, he didn't get to make a second run. And he was seemed like he was going pretty well too on that run, he, but they didn't finish. I think he locked up and made a mistake or something to that effect. But we have Nicholas Latifi rounding out the grid, uh, starting grid in P20. So let's get to the race results and some of the big storylines for the race. So if you hadn't seen already, Max Verstappen took the win at his home Grand Prix. This is his, what, fourth race victory in a row, I believe. I can uh, verify that a little bit later. But, yeah, he's on a roll right now. George Russell in P2, another podium for George, I believe his second of the season. So big performance from Mercedes. Uh, Charlotte Claire finished out the podium in P3. Lewis Hamilton in P4, a uh, tough race for him. It looked like everything was going his way, and he was potentially on for the race victory, his first of the season. But due to some strategy calls, uh, some weird activity, and, yeah, just tough tough luck kind of in the end. And uh, maybe, arguably, he had a situation where he could have made a judgment call but didn't, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Sergio Perez, P5, tough day for Sergio. He really was kind of in no man's land for the most part of his race. He wasn't anywhere near his teammate as far as pace and was pretty much slower than both the Ferraris and both of the the Mercedes throughout the race. So tough race for him. Lando Norris or uh, Fernando Alonso finished P6. Good result for Alpine. Lando Norris finished P7. Carlos Sainz finished P8. He actually finished on the road in P5, but he got a five-second penalty due to an unsafe release by his team. In the pit lane, he ended up kind of cutting Fernando Alonso off, and it was just it was just a bad day for Ferrari once again. I'm just – I feel like I say this every week. Like, we go through this every week with Ferrari and their, their blunders and woes as far as strategy. I mean – I don't think they were on for the race win, even if they got everything perfect, because they really made all the right calls with Charles, and he still only finished P3, and was it was almost seven seconds off of the Mercedes, so the pace just wasn't there for Ferrari this weekend, but still, it seems as if they're kind of just content with trying to hold on to second. And that's not really how you win championships. I know it's kind of out of reach now, but yeah, they it seems like ever since they've started really making these mistakes and really getting called out for it, they've just kind of fallen into a into a rut. But so after that five second penalty, Carlos ended up finishing P eight on actual standings. Esteban Ocon P nine and Lance Stroll finished out the points finishers in P ten. Uh, another points finish for him, I believe his third of the season. Pierre Gasly just outside the points in P11. Alex Albon in P12. Mick Schumacher in P13. Seb Vettel in P14. K-Mag in P15. Zhou Guan Yu in P16. 
Daniel Ricardo in P17 and Nicholas Latifi finished out our actual finishers on a lap down in P18. Our non-finishers were Valtteri Bottas and Yuki Tsunoda. Okay, so I'm going to get into my race predictions really quick. Um, it was a better weekend than it was last weekend, but still not great for me. So let's go ahead and just review my uh my race predictions for this weekend. So my first race prediction, I went out on a limb and I said Mercedes win this weekend. Obviously, we know that didn't come true. I figured I thought that their pace through qualifying or not qualifying, but through practice because I make my predictions after uh, all of the practice sessions before qualifying starts. I figured Mercedes had some good pace and that it just it, the storyline was too perfect. Mercedes getting their first win at Max's home Grand Prix after Max has been on absolute tear the past couple of la- or the past couple of races, but it didn't end up working out that way. So that's an O for one for me. I said my second prediction was that pole position would be decided by less less than a tenth of a second, and that was correct. The pole position ended up. Let's see, starting grid. Pole position ended up being decided by two one hundredths of a second. So yeah, it was super super tight for pole position, even. Carlos in P3 was within a tenth of pole position. So, really, I got that one really, really right. But Zandvoort is a very technical circuit, and just the way that the track was ramping up towards the end was just very conducive to a tight qualifying. And seeing that three-way battle between the teams for pole was super exciting. So, yeah, my third prediction was that Lando Norris would finish ahead of both of the Alpine cars. That did not end up coming true. He was close, and he showed some really good pace throughout the race, but couldn't put it all together when it was all said and done. My fourth prediction was at least one safety car in the race, and that was true. We ended up getting one virtual safety car, one full safety car. So that one ended up becoming true. And my last race prediction was the banked corners would be brought up at least 15 times on Sunday. Now this was kind of just like a head ass pick for me or prediction, just because I know how much like the announcers like to pick one thing, usually about a circuit and talk about it throughout the entire weekend. And I didn't actually count the number of times that they said bank corners or brought up the fact that the corners were banked and steep or whatever, but I'm just going to give myself credit on this one. I'm pretty sure they said it more than 15 times at, at any point on Sunday. So yeah, I'm going to give myself the W for that one. So I went three for five this weekend. So not bad whatsoever, much better than my last few weekends of race predictions. But yeah, let's get into some of the big storylines of this weekend's Dutch Grand Prix. So I think the biggest storyline was Mercedes battling for the win. I was so close yet so far away from getting that prediction right. And I would have been super elated to see either Lewis or George win, particularly Lewis, especially with the irony of him getting his first win of the season at Max's home race would have just been beautiful to watch. I would have been here for all of that controversy and drama that came with that, but didn't end up happening that way. And a lot of it was due to some pretty weird situations. There was a lot of weird activity going on in the race today. So Max ended up starting on sauce. Max 
both of the Red Bulls and both of the Mercedes, or not both of the Mercedes, both of the both of the Ferraris ended up starting on soft tires, and both of the Mercedes ended up starting on mediums. So I'm assuming for the Mercedes, the plan all along was to go as long as they could on the mediums, and then uh, try to pull out a one stop if they could, or potentially just avoid traffic by going longer into the race and then pitting later and having fresher tires later on in the race, even if they did do the two stop. So everything was working pretty well for Mercedes. It seemed like the soft tires went off a little bit quicker than the top teams had expected them to. And Mercedes got a big gift by Fernando and Lando going on to hard tires pretty early on in the race and showing pretty decent pace on the hard tires. So that kind of let everybody know that the hard tire wasn't as bad as we initially anticipated because I think they used the three hardest compounds for um, this weekend's race. So even the soft was a pretty, pretty hard compound and the hard was a true hard compound. So Nobody really anticipated that they would be any good for the race this season, but they actually, or this weekend, but they actually ended up being the better race tire. And so Mercedes went deep into the race and basically worked themselves into Max's and the Ferrari's pit window by going longer and then strapped on the hards and looked like they were good to go to the end and kind of put Red Bull in a sticky situation with Max because they left them out longer. And basically both of the Mercedes had closed into Max's pit window. So basically if Max had pit, he would have had come out behind both of them and still had to pass both of them on track on a track that was pretty tough to overtake. I think this is the first track this year where we've kind of said, okay, these cars, even with the new regulations and even though they've been able to follow really well and they were still able to follow really well today this was the first weekend where it seemed like they were really struggling to overtake unless you just had a complete massive pace advantage. Completely the opposite of from last weekend and how they had, they were able to just pass with little to no effort. This weekend was a completely different story. They had to actually work for the overtakes and overtaking proved pretty difficult this weekend so Red Bull was in a pretty sticky situation with Max, and so it looked like everything was going Mercedes' way up until the end, and sure enough, just like F1, you really never know what you're going to get, and unpredictability is, I guess, kind of what makes it exciting. I think this un- this part of the unpredictability was a little bit controversial, depending on what you kind of believe in and your feelings on Red Bull and just Formula One as a whole as a spectacle, but let's just go ahead and get into it. So the reason that Yuki Tsunoda retired is that he pit, um, he made his pit stop and he came out and was reporting an issue to the team. He thought that one of the tires was loose or whatever, and he stopped on track in sector two. And after he stopped on track. The team told him that everything was fine with the tires. There was nothing wrong. And he started kind of trundling around. It looked like a safety car was going to come out right when Red Bull and Mercedes or Red Bull and Max Verstappen needed a safety car to get a free or cheap pit stop and still come out ahead of both of the Mercedes. But Sonoda actually ended up continuing on and kind of trundled around the track at a slow speed. What it seemed like he was kind of had a mechanical issue but the team told him to come back in the pits and they were going to pit again 
And so he comes back into the pits and they change his tires and they're like messing with his seatbelt. I guess he had undone the seatbelt or whatever because he thought that he was retiring, even though the team had told him there was nothing wrong with the car and to come back into the pits. And it was a like a retardedly long pit stop. Like it was obnoxiously long pit stop. I believe the pit stop was almost 50 seconds. And if you know anything about racing, specifically formula one, a 50 second pit stop is an eternity. Like you're basically completely out of the race. It's almost a whole lapse worth of time in the pit stop. So he was in the pits for almost 50 seconds. I think, I believe when he came out of the pits, he was two laps down and I thought they were retiring Sonoda. Like, he was just kind of sitting there, and I figured, okay, well, they're completely out of this race now, so they're just going to retire him. There's no point in sending him back out there when he's two laps down with, like, less than 30 laps to go. And he's just in absolute no-man's land. Like, what would be the point? Just save the car and, yeah, just retire him. And he comes out of the pits and then stops and retires again within, like, one sector probably within like 10 seconds of leaving the pits he retires again and so that ends up bringing out a virtual safety car and allows max to basically get a free stop underneath the virtual safety car now since max was going to get that free stop mercedes decided to double stack both drivers and put them onto a medium compound so max ended up pitting onto the hards underneath the virtual safety car and then mercedes pit both drivers onto the mediums and which seemed to work like what like it was going to work out in their favor. Like they figured, okay, well, if Max is going to get track position anyway, we might as well try to put a softer compound on and see if we can just beat him on pure pace. Because on equal compounds, there was no chance that Mercedes was going to catch Max, especially if they had older hards on as opposed to Max's brand new hards. So with Sonoda retiring, it it basically gave Max a free pit stop. Now believe what you want. I'm I'm kind of going back and forth. I'm also I've been very vocal that I'm not the biggest Red Bull fan, but I also am not one to go directly to conspiracy theories and oh they're cheating and it's that and the other. I always thought even when I first got into Formula One, I always thought it was weird that Red Bull was basically allowed to have two teams in Formula One at once. Like it kind of. It always seemed to me like an unfair advantage, but I didn't think too much of it. And a lot of times Alpha Tauri kind of likes to make it known that they operate as their own team. And even though Red Bull has a lot of influence on the actual driver lineups and they kind of use it as a feeder team into the large like the main Red Bull team, they don't actually manage Alpha Tauri on a day to day basis. But it was just it just seemed so fishy to me that out of all the teams that could cause a safety car right when Max and Red Bull needed a safety car, it would be a Red Bull operated a team that brought out the safety car. And it it just really was just fishy. If you watch the race, then you wouldn't I know you probably thought the same thing, how it was just weird, like how Sonoda just retires and then he comes back into the pits, has a obnoxiously long pit stops and then retires again. I just it don't really make sense to me and I just thought that was very strange and a little bit suspicious and the thing about these conspiracy theories and like cheating and stuff like that is that we never believe that it's cheating until it comes out that it is cheating and so I don't necessarily put it completely off the table that Red Bull may have had something to do with that but I also don't want to jump to that conclusion and put that on them and 
they didn't have anything. But I just thought that that was strange. I definitely think Alpha Tower needs to be investigated personally for sending Yuki Sonoda out in a dangerous situation. Like that didn't really make sense at all. And so I definitely think the FIA and Formula One needs to put an investigation and bare minimum, at least fine Alpha Tauri for that dangerous situation. So going forward, um, we go green again from the virtual safety car. Lewis and George lose a little bit of time. They're running second and third. They lose a little bit of time and to Max, but they're starting to gain a little bit. And then Botas retires. And so Botas retires and Max decides to basically pit for softs. Um, and then as Lewis is going around and takes track position and George comes around and takes track position too. So Max, Lewis and, and George are on mediums and Max comes out behind both of them on fresh softs. And in my head, I'm like, okay, Mercedes is going to leave them both out there. They're going to let George try to defend with all of his might against Max and allow Lewis to create a gap and just hope that Max's softs go off fast enough to where Lewis can hold on for the race victory. But that is not what happened. Uh, George ends up coming around on the second lap under the safety car and pits onto soft tires. He basically made the call himself at the last second, like just decided, hey, I'm coming in. I want softs. I don't think I'm going to have the pace. And he credit to him, he wanted to fight for the, the win. And it was a, a good decision to make. But he ends up pitting onto softs and comes out behind Max. And I guess in his mind, he thought that potentially he could fight for the race victory against Max, even though I never believed that on equal tires, that they Mercedes was going to be anywhere near Red Bull and race pace. And even if they were close, even if he got close, Red Bull has such a straight line speed advantage that I don't think it would have worked out in George's favor anyway. But I mean, I definitely think it was the right call. I think if George had stayed out, um, Mercedes potentially could have lost out on all of their podium positions but Lewis stayed out and Mercedes really never gave Lewis any indication that they wanted him to pit or that that wasn't even an option so Lewis stays out so now Lewis is leading the race on mediums and Max is right behind him on fresher much fresher softs and now Lewis did make some mistakes in the situation that he could have made the same call that George did but Again, I think that a lot of the criticism that people are throwing Lewis's way is a little misguided and disingenuous just due to the fact that, like, as a driver, you don't have all of the information. You're relying on the team to feed you all of the information. And two, it's always second place or behind, the driver behind always gets the benefit because of making strategy calls because as a, like, in first place, if you, if you pit, and lose track position and then end up losing the race, then it like you look like an idiot. And so you're kind of screwed either way because the person behind you is just going to do the opposite of whatever you do. So it's the benefit of being behind. But I thought it was weird that Mercedes allowed George to make that call by himself. I figured that they would tell him to stay out or if they were going to pit, just pit both of them and see if they could attack Max on fresh softs as well. But that's not the case. So after the the restart, it was kind of weird. Uh, it's a pretty long straight if you include like the banking on the last turn. I believe it was turn 
16 or 14, one of those. But the last corner onto the banking, it's a really long straight, and Red Bull already has the straight line speed advantage, but Lewis went really, really early. Like he 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 punched it really really early and allowed Max to get the strip the slipstream and Max basically passed him with zero effort on the the safety car restart, which didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. But I mean, I think it was just a genuine mistake by Lewis, and I think he was just frustrated at the entire scenario. He thought that he would have probably thought that he would have George as a rear gunner behind him to hold off Max and see if he could go fight for the race win, but. Yeah, I think he just kind of lost focus for a second. And then after that, uh, George passed him up because he was on fresher tires. And that's kind of when Lewis snapped for a second. He was extremely frustrated on the radio and kind of verbally berated the team a little bit. And I think he was justified. I think that frustration was justified because I don't think that Mercedes fed him the information of the entire scenario. And just seeing your teammate pass you for a second, and now Lewis is running third. And when you were just two minutes ago fighting for the race victory and thinking you were on for a race win, I know he was just frustrated. And then and then he ended up losing the podium spot too, and because Charles ended up passing him because Charles pit for fresh softs as well. I know that just added to the frustration, and it just it was a tough day for Lewis and. Credit to him. He recomposed himself, thanked the team again for the opportunity to fight for the race win, was very um, humble and respectful during the post-race interview and stuff, and was just, even on his Instagram post that he made after the race, was very grateful for the team for even having the opportunity to fight for the race victory and was very optimistic that this was the first race weekend pretty much all year that they were genuinely fighting on pace for the race victory. So, all in all, I think the signs are pointing like positively for Mercedes for the rest of the season. We'll see how the tracks in the future end up suiting them. I think that they're going to have a tough time next week at Monza just because Monza's, we all know Monza's purely straight line speed. For the most part, they're going to run as low, low wings as possible, probably try to run the cars as low to the ground with the ground effect as possible and to get that straight line speed advantage without bottoming out. But straight line speed has not been Mercedes' strong suit at all this season, so we'll see how they go. But I definitely think they're going to struggle more so next week than they did this week. And so that was probably the biggest storyline of the, the the race was the kind of controversy and blunders by Lewis and Mercedes and potentially being able to fight for the race win today. Uh, the other big storyline was kind of Ferrari was nowhere on pace today. Um, Charles was keeping up with Max pretty well for the first, like, 10 to 15 laps of the race, but then Max just started – like opening up the gap and by the time the first pit stops came around I think Charles was probably six seconds off of Max and just seem kind of nowhere Carlos just had a absolutely terrible day in the office I don't know what was going on with Carlos he um had a really they had a really slow pit stop Ferrari and just back to the Ferrari strategy blunders they brought Carlos in and they didn't have the tires ready. They didn't have this fourth tire ready on the back left. I'm watching it right now on the race highlights. I mean, Carlos was stuck in the pits for 
well over 20 seconds and stationary for, I believe, almost 13 seconds because they didn't have his tires ready, which was just insane. And then on top of that, they left a spare wheel gun kind of in the driveway and Perez ended up running over it as he was leaving the pits and could have potentially damaged his car. And yeah, I just don't, I don't know what Ferrari are doing. And the fact that Bonotto keeps coming out and saying that they don't feel like they need to make any changes with personnel or anything like that. I think it's just an absolute slap in the face to uh, the Ferrari brand and to the fans like as if the fans are dumb and they don't they're not witnessing this like nonsense happening every single week and something just has to change so they have to do something better they have to be better a brand a brand like Ferrari should not be making these type of mistakes and i remember i think Benotto came out earlier this week and was saying that he believed that a lot of the other teams on the grid were making the same mistakes they did or worse but um, they never get talked about. And it's like, well, duh, y'all are Ferrari. Y'all are fighting for a championship. Well, you were fighting for a championship. I don't believe you're fighting for one now. They're, I think they're trying to ho- just hold on to second place because I believe after this weekend, Mercedes is only 30 points behind them in the constructors. So if they lose second in the constructors, that is going to be an absolute shit show. But, yeah, I just – I don't know what's going on with Ferrari. It's almost like they're just so caught up in, oh, we're Ferrari and nothing that we do is ever going to be bad and we'll never be wrong. But they're just, they don't have anything going for them right now. And it seems like they're on pace to just lose second place to Mercedes and just have it all come crumbling down. Because I definitely think Mercedes is going to come back stronger next year. And who knows when they'll get an opportunity or a car that, has performed this well again so yeah and i mean they didn't really make any mistakes with charles's strategy charles just wasn't on the pace like the car just wasn't there this weekend but they definitely didn't help themselves and charles i think was lucky to be on the podium at all today so yeah and then carlos them having the unsafe release and getting carlos a five second penalty which took them from took him from p5 to p8 definitely didn't help their cause at all so yeah i think now carlos has lost um his standing in the driver's championship again so it's just it's all bad for ferrari right now um let's go ahead and go through my driver grades and then we'll go over the standings and then we'll just think a little bit about monza next weekend um right now max is on what 10 race victories this year, the record is 13, and I definitely think he has a very good chance to tie or break that record. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven races left. I definitely think he can win four of the next seven races with the the car that he has under him and how well Red Bull are working together. So, yeah, let's just go over uh, my driver grades for this weekend, and then we will – like I said, go over the standings and preview Monza a little bit and get up, get out of here. So Max Verstappen gets a W plus. Didn't really put a foot wrong today. Red Bull were working um, a strategy treat and believe what you want to believe. If they made that call, then shame on them uh, with Sonoda. I don't want to believe that. I'd rather give them the benefit of the doubt and just say that they performed well and took advantage and they got some good luck today. 
So W plus for Max Verstappen, none of that was under his control, obviously. And winning on your home race, that's a great result for him. George Russell gets a W for this weekend. He made a good strategy call at the end, showed some good pace. He had a rough start. I think he lost, ended up losing his position to Lando, but took it back fairly quickly and was pretty close to, to Lewis all weekend. Uh, so, yeah, good good result for him. Charles gets – I don't know, man. Charles gets a W. I don't think that he necessarily did anything wrong. I just don't think the car was there. Sergi or Lewis gets um, – this is a little bit – probably a little bit biased, but Lewis gets a W for me. He did make a mistake, I think, with the safety car restart. But other than that, I don't think there was anything else that he could have done to get a better result other than maybe – getting the safety car started a little bit later. Sergio Perez gets an L again, just completely off the pace of his teammate. Um, Spun in qualifying, should have qualified higher, but after that spin, kind of ruined qualifying. And so he gets an L for this weekend. He's just not, um, not been on it right now fernando alonso gets a w um drove well got some good points again showed good pace especially on the hard tires lando norris gets a w especially when you in p7 compared to where his teammate finished in damn near last place he performed well i thought that he would be able to get the 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 alpha or the uh, alpines in points he's kind of carrying mclaren right now i don't even really think it's a battle for p4 and the constructors anymore because mclaren are kind of fighting a one-legged race so yeah carlos signs gets an l for this weekend wasn't on the pace of his teammate team didn't help him at all it was just all bad for carlos um let's see esteban Ocon gets a w decent points finish probably could a little bit off of his teammate this weekend but overall didn't really put a foot wrong so he kind of breaks even but i'll give him a w because he scored points lance stroll gets a w he scored points and showed some pretty good pace this weekend could have been on for even higher finish but yeah i think it was, he still did well to score points in that Aston Martin. I think their new rear wing is working really well for them. Alex Albon gets uh, – I'll give him a W. I think that he could have performed a little bit better and may have been on for points today, but um, I just think that Williams is a little bit of a tractor and that he's just extracting every – Every possible millisecond from that car and doing the best that he can. So, good result for Alex Albon. Mick Schumacher uh, gets an L for me. I think that based on his qualifying position, he probably should have got points this weekend, but made a couple of mistakes in the race. Uh, Seb gets an L. I don't know what Seb was doing. Um, come a, a couple of his battles, he almost took out some people. He... Uh, did he end up getting a penalty? I'm not sure, but I think that he deserved a penalty for holding up Perez and Hamilton under blue flags. Like He basically went an entire sector under blue flags and was almost damn near took out Hamilton. He almost like just careened back right into the back of, of Seb coming out of the pit lane. There was, I think there was definitely plenty of opportunity or room for Seb to get out of the way. 
So he gets an L. It was a tough weekend for Seb. K Mag gets an L. He almost took himself out early in the race. He had a um a snap of oversteer on the exit of turn one and kind of clipped the wall a little bit. It wasn't heavy enough contact to break anything, but yeah, his race could have been over. And that was it. And he completely got done up by Joe at the beginning of the race. Joe made a beautiful move around the outside of um of K Mag in the beginning of the race. And I thought Joe would have been on for a gooder uh I said a gooder a better result this weekend, but uh, I don't think the Alfa Romeo just has the pace anymore. Daniel Ricardo gets the L minus. Uh, yeah, we're not going to talk about Daniel. Uh, I like him too much, and I'm not. I'm just not going to pile on to Daniel. Uh, I just think that he he just needs a, some time away. Nicholas Latifi gets an L. Valtteri Bottas, I'm not going to grade. He didn't finish. And Yuki Sonoda gets an L. I don't know what the hell Alpha Tower he had going on for, yeah, during the end of the race. I, I don't know what they had going on. Uh, let's just go to the team grades. I'm going to run through that real quick. Red Bull gets a W. Overall, made good strategy calls with Max. Couldn't control Sergio's pace. Yeah, W. Ferrari gets an L. I think that they just didn't handle Carlos well, and I don't really give credit for doing what you're supposed to. They made decent strategy calls, nothing crazy, but they just made the, I guess, appropriate strategy calls with Charles and got lucky to get a podium. Mercedes, I'll I'll give Mercedes a W still. I think that they brought a good car to Zandvoort, and I think that there wasn't much else they could have do i think they probably would have ended up losing out to max regardless due to the safety cars um but up until that point i think that they had made all the right calls and was on to fight for the race win alpine gets a w double points finish mclaren uh i think i have to give him an l i think they lando probably should have beat both of the alpines and ricardo was absolutely nowhere i know a lot of that was probably his own doing but yeah, I think they just have to – they need to be performing better. Aston Martin, I think they get a W. I think they brought a good car this weekend, got points. Uh, Seb just was nowhere. Alpha Tauri, given L, L- minus because of the Yuki Sonoda nonsense. Yeah, I'm, I don't even want to talk about that anymore. Uh, Williams gets an L, and Haas gets an L. And that will – and Alfa Romeo gets an L as well. Yep, and so let's go over the uh, the driver standings and the team standings real quick, and then I want to talk a little bit about uh, Alpine and um, McLaren with the Oscar Piastri situation, and then we'll, I'll talk a little bit about Italy next weekend, and then I'll go ahead and get out of here. So Max Verstappen is extends his lead in the drivers' championship by over a hundred points. He is one hundred nine points ahead of Charles Leclerc, who's tied in second with Sergio Perez on two hundred and one points. George Russell is fourth right now on one hundred eighty eight points. Carlos Sainz is fifth on one hundred seventy five. Lewis Hamilton six on one hundred fifty eight. Lando Norris is. 7th on 82, still holding on to 7th. So Lando has honestly been one of the drivers of the year for me with the way he's been able to hold on to P7 with an Alpine car that's probably better than the car that he's driving. Esteban in P8, 7 points 
ahead of his teammate. Esteban has 66, and Fernando has 59. Valtteri Bottas in P10 on 46 points. K-Mag, P11 on 22. Seb in P12 with 20s. Daniel in P13 with 19. Pierre in P14 with 18. Mick Schumacher in P15 with 12. Yuki Sonoda in P16 with 11 points. Zhou Guan Yu in P17 with 5. Lance Stroll in P18 with 5. Alex Albon in P19 with 4. And Nicholas Latifi still has 0 points finishes. So no points for him in P20. Let's go to the constructors. Red Bull Racing are still leading on 511 points. Ferrari in P2 with 376. Uh, Mercedes is 30 points behind in P3 on 346. Alpine in P4 with 125. They are 24 points ahead of McLaren in P5 on 101. Alfa Romeo holding on to P6 with 51. Haas in P7 with 34. Alpha Tauri in P8 with 29. Aston Martin in P9 with 25 and Williams in P10 with four points. So let's get into some of the drama with uh with uh Oscar Piastri and um, McLaren and all of that good stuff. So it's crazy. I think um the hearing happened on Monday, I believe. Yeah, Monday. And the news came out on Thursday. And so it came out that basically Oscar had signed for McLaren on July 4th, which was before McLaren and Daniel had both came out and put out a statement saying that Daniel was committed to the team and the team was committed to Daniel and that he wanted to stay and try to fight for, like, basically better finishes and stuff like that and basically finished what he started at McLaren and McLaren seemed like they kind of stabbed him in the back. Daniel did come out and admit that he had no clue that the Oscar Piastri situation was happening and that Oscar had already been signed. So I think shame on McLaren and Zach Brown for the way that they've handled this situation. I think that they did Daniel pretty dirty, especially with that coming out then um, and for Alpine, I think this is one of the biggest fumbles of all time as far as like driver lineups. I think that they them missing out on keeping Fernando and losing him to Aston Martin, as well as losing a young driver that's had the one of the best junior careers in history, um, probably the best junior career since Charles Leclerc came in in 2018 to the Sauber team. It's just it's one of the all-time fumbles from from Alpine. And on McLaren's sake, I really hope that this Piastri situation works out for them because they risked a lot paying Daniel all that money to go away and going through all this controversy for a driver that is still unproven. Even though he's had this great junior career, he, none of this has been proven. He still has yet to drive a Formula One car. He hasn't participated in a practice session yet. Um. Yeah, it's it's just a a big risk for McLaren, and I think that it could turn out negatively 
in a lot of aspects in that there's only a few ways that this turns out positively. And I was thinking about it because I was thinking about, okay, can Oscar really come into Formula One in his first season and perform? Because Lando is not an easy teammate to go up against. I think he's one of the better drivers on the grid. And that McLaren really seems to suit him. And it really seems like McLaren has been all in on on uh, Lando since he's gotten there. And for them to take this risk, it could cause some controversy within the team because let's just say that Oscar comes in and performs and pulls a Charles Leclerc in 2018 um, and comes in and absolutely is either on the pace of Lando or better. Lando is not going to be very happy with that. And I think that could get pretty spicy very quick, even if they're, if they're really close and battling, especially when it comes to like strategy calls, because there's only one winning strategy and only one driver can finish ahead. So I think that that could definitely cause some controversy. I really think the only way it works out is that if Lando is handily beating Oscar on a regular basis and because then Oscar will probably get a little bit of a pass, even though I don't know how much of a pass he's going to get with all of this, it's putting a lot of pressure on him, especially with the way he came out and basically denounced Alpine and was like, yeah, I'm not driving for them, even though he hadn't really secured a contract. I know the contract had been signed, but it hadn't been validated by the contract board yet. So without a seat, he came out and denounced and basically burned a bridge with Alpine because he'll never be able to go back to that team, even if somehow and the opportunity opened up for him, they would never have him back after all of that. So burning bridges on the grid is maybe not the best idea just because you never know how your career can turn out in the future. But, yeah, I think if if the battle is close, it could get really heated between Lando and Oscar because yeah, Oscar is not here to just trundle around and, and be be playing second fiddle to Lando. He's coming in to try to win races and win championships, and that's what McLaren are expecting from a driver of his caliber. So we'll see, man. But I think this could get really spicy. It did come out that um, Oscar was at the factory and Alpine or Otmar had come out, even though Oscar had already told most of the team that he had he was not driving for them already and he, he was already going to McLaren. But Otmar seemed, I think, to confront him about it and basically told him that he was getting promoted in front of a bunch of other members of the team. And Oscar didn't want to create a scene, so he didn't say anything. And if that's true, then shame on um, on Alpine for the way that they've handled the situation. I think both teams have made some really major mistakes and that they just need to do better. And I still have no clue what Alpine are going to do about their driver situation. It seems like they're targeting Pierre Gasly right now. It seems like he's their number one target. And Helmut Marco, the um, head of the young drivers program at um, Red Bull, has came out and said that they would release Pierre from his contract, but Alpine would just have to pay that ticket to get him out of there. So we'll see how that goes and see if – Maybe we can see a return of Daniel at Alpine or if we can see an all-French lineup at the French team with Pierre and Ocon, who also have a little bit of spicy history themselves. So we'll, we'll just see. It's a lot going on, and I'm excited to see how this silly season ends up finishing off um, and see if hopefully Daniel will get another seat. But I wouldn't hate it if he could take a break and try to find a seat later. Um, in the next coming years, especially with uh, teams like Audi and Porsche 
potentially coming in. I know the Porsche thing is kind of up and down because it kind of came out that Red Bull might be backing out of their deal with Porsche due to Porsche wanting like 50% stake in the team and basically kind of wanting to take over the team, which I figured they would want to. Porsche is a humongous entity in road cars as well as racing, and Porsche is not just going to want to sit there and be a title sponsor. They're going to want to actually do their own thing. So we'll see what happens. So, yeah, next week we got Monza, the Temple of Speed, man, Ferrari's home race. So they'll be in front of the Tifosi, and I hope they don't embarrass themselves because – it seems like Red Bull has had the straight line speed advantage all year, so I definitely think they'll probably go well around Monza. We'll see if Ferrari can do anything to combat that, but right now I really just don't think so. And even if they did have the pace, I'm just going to assume that they'd probably end up doing something dumb and ruining their chances anyway. So, yeah, man, like I said, I don't know if Mercedes and McLaren will go well just because straight line speed has not really been their advantage. I am pre- thinking that Williams is going to go really well around um, around Monza. They've seemed like they've created a really slippery car in a straight line, and they figured out a way to reduce drag a lot. So I think that'll be a little dark horse surprise for a lot of teams and maybe be a potential spanner in the works for some midfield teams that Williams, especially in the hands of like Albon, who showed some really good pace and pretty much slapped up Latifi for the majority of this season. So, yeah, man, uh, Monza next weekend, I will be back. And then we that will end the triple header. And then after Monza, we have, I believe we have uh, Singapore after Monza. Yeah, we have Singapore and then Japan, so the two Asian races. Super excited to see those. Uh, we haven't been to Singapore or Japan since 2019. So it'll be fun to to go back there. I know that I've heard the Japanese uh, fans are crazy, and I love the Singapore track. I think it's just the epitome of uh, what a street track should be. Nighttime races are always fun. So, yeah. Then we got the North American and South American races. So then we'll have the U.S., Mexico, and Brazil after Japan, and then we'll finish up at Abu Dhabi. And, yeah, man, we will have another champion in the next coming races. So that is it for today. I will see you guys next weekend. Peace. Happy Sunday.